And now, here's Arlene Francis. Whose very first show on NBC Radio was What's My Name? But since you already know that answer, what is the name of the exciting new program concept that began NBC's fourth decade? Here's a clue. Right, monitor. Our motto was going places and doing things. And we called our hosts communicators. And no one could communicate better or more warmly than Dave Garraway. Uh, isn't that a mad noise? In May of 1955, NBC's programming department was busy readying for the launch of Monitor. It would debut in June and quickly revamp NBC's weekend programming. Although dramatic radio took up less and less airtime, there was still interest in creating new dramatic programming for NBC. Countdown for blastoff. X minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X minus 1... Fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. Tonight, Universe. X-1 debuted over NBC Airways on Sunday, April 24, 1955 from WRCA in New York. It was an outgrowth of Dimension X, which aired in 1951. We are just beginning to discover how boundless our universe really is. And yet as man reaches out to the stars... Out toward infinity. Ironically enough, he may be building himself a new kind of prison. What would it be like to live all your life in a world no larger, say, than a single gigantic rocket ship bound on an endless mercy? Hugh, look out! You all right? Yes, just missed me. What was it? Mutant with a slingshot, I think. Must have dashed down that passageway. Want to go after it? Oh, we'd never catch it, Alan. Probably 12 decks above us by now. I didn't think they ever came down this far. Patrols usually get them before they reach this level. They get more daring at each generation. This one looked like a female. Uh, male or female, it might have killed us. I told you this trip was pure foolishness, climbing 24 <laughs> deck levels to hear a crazy old man rave. All right, Alan, we're almost there now. Let me see, compartment X, 15, level 24. Uh, this is the place. This area smells as if it hadn't been visited by a sanitation crew for generations. Mm. Well, this part of the ship is almost deserted. Working uh, radio with Jack Webb was an interesting experience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you sat there during rehearsal time, and everybody caught up on what everybody else was doing, and then you got up and recorded the show. Cold. That was toward the end. At the, yeah, first, you at used to get a run-through. And then at the end, you didn't even read it. He'd hand you the script and say, you're doing Aunt Georgia, and you're doing Uncle Harry, and you're Ben, and so forth. Okay, let's cut. 
He wanted that fresh reaction. He got it. He got it. <laughs> he didn't. And if yeah, you were, yeah. and I'd say, well, how that old is she? Seeing what, what it for the first time. Find out is she know. nice or is she bad? He'd say, well, she's 50 and uh, yeah, you like her. Try something. <laughs> so you do, and if he doesn't stop you after about four or five sentences, you know you've You're hit close. a character <laughs> and hope you can remember how you started because you don't know what's coming up. <laughs> Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to juvenile detail. You get a report that a teenage boy has been found in a downtown alley. He's in critical condition. Your job... Check it out. It was Wednesday, November 16th. It was cool in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of juvenile detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Powers. My name's Friday. We're on our way into the office, and it was 9.17 p.m. when we got to the second floor of Georgia Street Juvenile. The squad room. I don't know, Joe. What? You see a kid like that, you start wondering. Yeah. Fifteen years old, trying to hold up a liquor store. Kind of worries the guy. What do you mean? What about your own kids? How are they going to turn out? Well, most of them turn out okay. Yeah, you can't help worrying, though. Well, you're a father. Maybe you're better off, Joe, not having the worries. You really believe that? Well, I guess so. Well, why don't you stop trying to marry me off? Oh, say, that reminds me. Yeah. You know the Phillips? Live down the street from us? I don't think I do. They were over for dinner the same night you were. Yeah. Last summertime, Faye made fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Remember it? I remember the chicken. Go ahead. You're going to spend Christmas with us, aren't you? Christmas. Faye told me to be sure and remind you. It's only a month or so off. That's soon, huh? Yeah. Can we count on you? Yeah, if we're not working. Swell. I'll let Faye know. What's this got to do with the Phillips? Mm, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with them, Joe. Why are you so darn suspicious? Which one of them has the sister? Huh? Come on, Mr. and Mrs., which one? Both of them, for all I know. Well, which one has a sister who's coming out here for the holidays? Which one? Mrs. Phillips. And they're all going to be at your place for Christmas dinner, is that it? Well, Faye hasn't asked them yet. She wanted to be sure that you... Mm-hmm. Okay to ask them? They're your friends. You won't regret it, Joe. You know Mrs. Phillips is darn nice looking. Good talker to her for sisters, anything like Just she... Just do is. me one big favor, will you? What's that? Christmas is still five weeks away. Don't start selling me now. <laughs> I wouldn't try to sell you on any girl. You know that. You bet. I never even met this one. I was just thinking that sometimes you can kind of sort of judge a person by family and... Juvenile Friday. Where's that? I see. Yeah. Found a kid lying in an alley off Sheridan Street. He's hurt pretty bad. An accident? Knife in his back. NBC's highest-rated dramatic show was Dragnet. Although Dragnet had moved into TV in 1951, it maintained its radio audience. Three million homes still tuned into Jack Webb's police procedural on Tuesday nights. We're only a couple blocks away. We headed right over. Where'd you find him? Yeah, I'll show you. Right here against that wall. Mm-hmm. Must have lost a lot of blood. Yeah. Knife still in him? Mm-hmm. Small of the back. Looked like he'd been beat up, too. You say anything about who did it? Well, he mumbled something. We couldn't understand him, and then he passed out. How old would you say he was? Oh, 15, 16, maybe. Uh-huh. He's a good-looking kid, about 5'8", black hair, blue eyes, regular features. What kind of clothes? A jeans and a jacket, windbreaker type. 
See anybody around who might have done it? No, not a soul. The street was deserted. Mm-hmm. My partner's out looking now. I'll give him a hand. All right. Who filed a complaint? I don't know. Well, we'll check the board. I'm afraid that won't help. Hmm? Well, they don't know either. Directed to all of you, would you describe a typical Saturday morning? At Gunsmoke? Yeah. <laughs> not in mixed company, I would. <laughs> Any resemblance between the dialogue in the rehearsal and the dialogue on the show was purely coincidental. Howard McNear used to refer to it as Dirty Saturday. (laughs) And we'd get off on a a start, the most innocuous line being given a provocative reading would result in the script being absolutely blue from page one on through. Uh, There's a man on KNUS in Denver, John Dunning, who has interviewed quite a few of us in the process of doing it, but he has an outtake of a dress rehearsal on the new hotel. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think we do, but let me tell you, then then need you ask about what a Saturday (laughs) was like. You tell him now, Marshal, and you tell him tonight. He is crazy, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, there's something sure wrong with him. I don't believe any of that about him being tired of killing people. No. It's more like he's scared of something, ain't it? Chester. Chester? I think I know what it might be. What? Al James. What's he got to do with it? I don't know. Let's go find him. Well, what for? To tell him Hank Shen isn't armed. Well, he could see that. He was wearing a coat. That's right out there in the street. Yeah, come on. There's some men down there, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. If it was a fight, it sure didn't last long. One bullet can end a fight, Chester. Well, there's somebody laying there. Looks like Hank Shen. Yeah. Nobody ain't paying any attention to him. They're all crowded around old James. I thought that is James. I'm going to go take a look at Shen, Chester. You better go back and get Doc, huh? Yes, Mr. Dillon. I'll hurry. Shen. Shen. He, he shot me, Marshal. He shot me. Al James. He ran into me here, but I was so scared I couldn't say nothing. I I tried to open my coat to show him I wasn't armed, and he shot me. Doc will be here in a minute, Jim. Marshal? Yeah. Marshal, I... I never killed nobody before today. No, I didn't think so. And fellas up in Blackhawk, they had a fight. I was the only other man there, and I hid out till it was over. They killed themselves. And you took credit for it? Mm-hmm. It made people respect me. All kinds of people. 
You understand? Yeah, I understand. How's he doing, Marshal? I hit him twice. Marshal? Well, he sure died slow. Pretty slow, James. He went for his gun, Marshal. The men over there can tell you they saw it. You heard about his reputation and you had to kill him, didn't you? Self-defense, Marshal. There's nothing to talk about. Hank Shen was a liar, James. His reputation was a fake. What? I don't believe you. It's true. Now, besides, he wasn't even armed. Take a look. He he ain't wearing a gun. But he, he went for it. I saw him. Everybody did. You killed an unarmed man, James. I don't like that. You'll have to stand trial for it. That ain't what's bothering me. No? It was a mistake. I'll get off. But everybody's gonna be laughing at me. Especially if you tell them about him being a liar. He shot a drunk this afternoon, and that nearly scared him to death. You have to tell him that, Marshal? I don't like gunmen, James. What do you mean? After this, your reputation isn't gonna be worth much. It won't be worth nothing. So it looks like Hank Shen got himself a gunman after all, doesn't it? All right, come on, let's go to jail. Over on CBS, Gunsmoke's dual broadcast pulled in radio's highest combined rating. New episodes aired on Saturday evenings with a repeat the following Saturday afternoon. Gunsmoke's success led to its TV incarnation and several CBS Western radio dramas in the late 1950s. Mild and plenty quick on the draw. That's L&M for you. And the pure white miracle tip on the business end of every L&M filters out everything but the taste of the world's finest tobaccos. All you have to do is pick up a carton of L&M's and you'll see what I mean. L&M stands out from... All the rest. We were out for General Foods and Jell-O for ten years. Uh-huh. And Lucky Strike came after them. Lucky Strike sponsored Jack and the Benny Show for 15 years. They were the greatest longevity of any client on the show. General Foods being ten years for Jell-O, yeah. 15 years for... Lucky strike. It's amazing. You think back, Jack Benny had as his sponsor Jell-O for 10 years and uh, Lucky Strike for 15 years. The Jack Benny program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike, the cigarette that tastes better. And today, now here in the 1980s, you're lucky if you get a sponsor to pick up a 30-second commercial during a television special. That's right. No longevity at all. My, how times have changed. Yeah, really have. But you see, the sponsors took pride in the programming in those days. Now, there was always the hue and cry. I'll editorialize for a second here. Good. Always the hue and cry that once they got the network programming out of the hands of the sponsors, the audiences would have better programming. 
And eventually, through the 50s and the 60s, the programming moved away from the sponsors who really produced the shows through their advertising agency, or most of them. You got it. To the point where now the networks are producing the shows or paying for the shows to be produced, and the sponsors really don't have any interest in it other than the sheer numbers they're getting out. Out right. there. Whereas in the old days, and you were there with the Jello and with the Lucky Strike thing, I believe that the audience, in their response to the sponsor, fortified the sponsor and kept his interest in presenting that program. I think your analysis is very well taken. I don't think anybody can dispute it. Enjoy Lucky Strike, the best tasting cigarette you ever smoked. For the taste that you like, light up the Lucky Strike right now. Light up a lucky. It's light up time. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the last Jack Benny show of the month. It's also the last program of the current series. And as a matter of fact, it's the last show of the season. So now I bring you a man I thought wouldn't last, Jack Benny! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, I know that you're trying to be clever on the final show, but how could you possibly have thought that I wouldn't last? After all, a man my age is just in the prime of life. (laughs) I guess you're right, Jack. They've been priming you for 20 years. (laughs) Don. Don. George Global. Cinemascope stomach. Now, Don, control yourself. But, you know, you may be right. After all, nobody can last forever. You're sure working on it, Bob. Well, I see we have another candidate for the unemployment insurance. (laughs) You better watch it, sister. Jack's right, Mary. He deserves a little more respect from us. After all, he's one of the pioneers in the broadcasting business. You're darn right. Why, when I did my first program, there were hardly any radios in the country. And darn few people. (laughs) Darn few people. Darn few people. Plenty of people when I started. They may have had feathers in their hair, but they were people. Mary, if I were Jackie Gleason, you know what I'd say? One of these days. One of these days. Pow! Back to the May Company. If you were Jackie Gleason, I wouldn't have to go back. All right, all right. Oh, Jack, why are you so touchy? Can't you take a joke? Certainly I can take a joke. But here we're doing our last program of the season and everyone comes in and insults me. I didn't insult you, Mr. Benny. Huh? Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, sir. Well, you see, Mary, Don, Dennis knows how to treat me with respect. Certainly. I feel that when a man keeps you working all these years, he deserves respect. Well, naturally. A man doesn't get to be the star of a radio and television program unless he has ability and talent. Thank you, Dennis. No star can keep a loyal following of fans loving him through all the years unless he's an outstanding personality. Well. Can I go now, Mr. Benny? 
Why? I can't keep reading this stuff. It's making me sick. In May of 1955, radio's highest-rated show was still the Jack Benny program. Just under three million homes tuned in, and many more in their cars. Earlier, like in 1946. Oh, well, it's the last show of the season. I won't be seeing him for quite a while. Oh, say that reminds me, Dennis. What are you going to do? On May 22nd, after 23 seasons on the air, Jack Benny brought his radio show to a close. In the fall, Benny would move solely into TV. Ladies and gentlemen, although this is called the Jack Benny Program, I'd like to say that its success is due to the competent people I have working with me. My wonderful cast, the great supporting players I have, my producer, my engineer, my sound man, my capable writers, my fine musicians. How can you read that stuff? Doesn't it make you sick? <laughs> Good night, folks. See you in the fall. program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Hal Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Filter smokers, here's the true tobacco taste you've been looking for. Filter tip Tariton gives you all the full, rich flavor of Tariton's famous quality tobacco, and real filtration too. Filter tip Tariton incorporates activated charcoal, renowned for its unusual powers of selective filtration and used far and wide to purify the air we breathe, the water and beverages we drink. Look for the red, white and blue stripes on the package. They identify filter tip Tariton, the best in filtered smoking. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. darling, I want to take just a moment to ring my silver anniversary chimes. Three chimes of silver. This is NBC. NBC. The National NBC. Broadcasting.